We're in a series on greater faith, and this morning I want to share with you the joy of Jesus. There is a joy that Jesus has. He is extremely, extremely pleased and joyous in what was set before him. And so I would like to take you to our text this morning and have you understand that the reason we can have greater faith is because we have a greater priest. Amen? Amen. And so we can have greater faith because we have a greater priest. And that's what Jesus was looking forward to. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. I would encourage you to open it up. We're going to start at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, looking to Jesus. Everybody say that with me. Looking to Jesus. What are you setting your gaze on? Jesus. How many of you know it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? We've got to look to Jesus. Number one, look to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter, the founder or perfecter, the founder, the trailblazer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now this joy was set before him. The word set means established. This joy was established before him. We're putting it in sequence, sequential order. If you'll remember, he said, restore unto me the glory that I had before I came. And so there is something set before the cross. He had to look past the cross. He was willing to go to the cross, but the way he could endure the cross was because there was something established that the cross was going to accomplish. You with me? So something was set, something was established for him. As he would endure the cross, he could endure it because there was a joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame of that cross, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what was that joy? What was that thing yet to be accomplished? When he rose from the dead, and when he ascended into heaven, he was set into place as our high priest. And that's the joy he was looking forward to. How many of you know that God looked throughout the entire Old Testament and could not find an intercessor? There was no one, there was no man, there was no one who could handle it. Adam couldn't do it, Noah didn't handle it too well, Moses tried and failed, David did his best, Solomon gave a shot at it, Isaiah was trying to preach and speak, and Jeremiah, there was no man, there was no one who could establish the purpose that God wanted done until Jesus took his position and was set as high priest over all of mankind. You getting this? He's our high priest. That was his joy. He couldn't wait until he could step into position to rescue this human race. It was expedient, it was important that I go to the Father, Jesus said, so the Comforter may come, but it was necessary for him to take his spot, take his place, so now we could get this thing done. And that was his joy for us. It was a joy that he was looking forward to accomplish. Now go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9 says this, Therefore he is a mediator of a new covenant, Hebrews 9, 15, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. He said there's a new covenant. See, this is the inauguration. He was looking forward to the new. 
The high priest had failed under the Levitical work, but he is a king. He is the priest under the order of Melchizedek. That's an eternal order. And there's only one priest in that order, and that's Jesus Christ. The Levitical priesthood couldn't do it. Lambs and bulls and sacrifices couldn't do it. God wasn't pleased with those animal sacrifices. It was the end of the old covenant. The joy set before him was establishing the new covenant, which meant all the promises that God had ever made throughout the Old Testament could finally now be delivered. It's on the way. Amazon brings it in two days, but Jesus will bring it now. It's here for us. Every promise. The joy before him was to be able to begin to execute the uh, dispersion of all the gifts of God, the blessings of God, and the purposes of God in the earth. That's what our high priest is doing. He is releasing all that the Father had promised unto his children. It's a new covenant. It's a new day. It's a new hour. Jesus saw that new dispensation of grace coming to where sin is abolished. Sin is broken. Sin is defeated. The devil is defeated. And now it's time to harvest and reap the fruit of God's work through Jesus Christ. That's what he's excited about. Amen. See, we don't have enough faith because we don't recognize what he's up to. We think he's up there going, oh, these people, oh, I'll never get anything done. It's not going to work. We think we got Thomas as the high priest. It'll never work. There's joy on the face of Jesus. Look at this, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He totally gets what you're going through. It's not like he's unable to. He totally gets it. He totally understands what you're going through. And to sympathize. Can you imagine such a compassionate high priest who would sympathize with what you're going through right now? He cares. He knows. He understands. We have one who is tempted in every way that we are, yet is without sin. He's undefeated. Every attempt the devil has had to come against Jesus Christ, his knockout rate is 100%. Amen? Every battle he's been in, he wins. What does that mean for you? If he's in it, you're going to win it. Amen? Amen? He understands what you're going through, but you've got to understand, he's never been defeated. We don't serve a defeated God. Amen. See, the world looks at a dead Jesus on a cross. We see a triumphant Jesus in the heavenlies, sitting as high priest at the right hand of God, delivering every work of the Lord that has to be accomplished. The right hand of God is the saving arm of God. It is the power arm of God. And God is releasing right now everything, and Jesus never loses. Jesus always wins and he defeated sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence, boldness, confidence. Why? Because look at our high priest so that you could receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How do you go to Jesus? You can be defeated, but don't go to him thinking he's defeated. 
Don't you put your defeat on him. He understands your defeat. He understands your brokenness. He understands what you're going through. He understands your tears. He understands your doubts. He understands your fears. But don't project that onto him. He's got this thing. He understands the dimension of how long this will last and what you need to endure to get through. He knows just what it's going to take within you to restore you, to strengthen you, for you to be able to cope through it and to get through it so that the testimony on the other side is under his name. We have a high priest who understands and he gets it. So have faith in what he's doing. Let me help you understand what some of his joy is. The word in the language uh, uh, of Greek is glad pleasure, a dancing heart. The joy set before, he couldn't wait. He was ready to endure the cross, the shame, the beatings, the, the anguish, and the separation from the Father because before him was set dancing. He was ready to go. He was excited for what was going to take place. Jesus delights in what he's doing right now. See, I, I think we don't get this. I think we forgot about this. I think that we think that he is tired of us. He's just frustrated with us when in fact he is delighted. He enjoys. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus is enjoying what he's doing right now. He's enjoying answering your prayers. He's enjoying what you're going through because he's got such an amazing outcome for what is set before us. Even all the craziness that this world has to offer and all the sin and all of the frustration that is just wreaking havoc in the earth, he is on the throne. He is in charge. He is bringing all things to his glory and purpose. What is this joy that he spoke of? Let me share a few passages in Scripture where we see Jesus overjoyed and we'll get an idea of what thrills him. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, he's been training his disciples and he calls them out, 72, and he, and he says, I want you to go into this town. Don't take anything with you, but just take the word of God. He anoints them to go and preach the kingdom, to proclaim the kingdom. It's a proclamation. And in that proclamation, there are acts to be done. You see, we have limited, in this 21st century, we have limited the proclamation of the gospel to simply words that we speak. But in Jesus' mind, when you read the gospels, you'll see that the proclamation of the gospel was accompanied with action. A proclamation is more than just some words, it's manifest of the kingdom to show up. And so when he showed up, the two evidences that the kingdom of God, as they're proclaiming, the kingdom of God is here in the earth, as he's proclaiming it, it's manifesting by healing sickness and casting out demons. The two key issues that manifests the declaration of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they're going in there and demons are screaming and leaving and fleeing and running like rats on a sinking ship. They stepped into that town, and the disciples are going, what? What is going on? And they get bold to preach it. And the sick come out, and they lay hands on the sick, and they are being healed, and they are being delivered. So they come back with a report. Now, wait a minute. You come back when the job is what? Can you imagine that? Why did they leave the town they were sent to? The job was done. 
How many of you, I want that. I want a, I want a finished assignment. <laughs> My assignments seem to linger on and on and on. I want a finished assignment. They go into that city and then they leave together because they have wrecked, they have demolished the spiritual strongholds that were over that city and over that town that were keeping people locked in bondage to sickness and disease. And these are the Lord's people. These are the children of Israel that all the promises are theirs given to them through the law of God. And they go and proclaim the Messiah, and they are being set free. They come back, and in Luke 10 it says this, and they said, to, uh, uh, they told him excitedly what happened, and Jesus said, ah, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You wrecked his spiritual stronghold over that city. And he said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's forecasting to what he was going to accomplish, what he was going to do. Oh, don't get excited of what the kingdom can do. Get excited that you're now in it. That's just a byproduct. That's just the aroma of the kingdom. Be excited that you're in it. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Some theologians believe it is at this point that Jesus is so filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to rejoice in the Spirit, praying in tongues, crying out prophetically, making declaration, because he was filled with the Spirit, overjoyed and overfilled. What made him so happy? He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you revealed them to these little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. That you took people and the kingdom of God was brought forth and manifest. He's excited when the kingdom is released into the earth. That's the joy that was set before him. He couldn't wait. He got through that cross. He broke the power of the grave and he ascended on high. For the joy was that as high priest, he is now going to bring the manifestation of the kingdom into the earth. He said, I need all of you to begin praying. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I need you to break the power of the tempter and say, I'm not going to be tempted anymore. I'm going to be delivered from the evil one. And I'm going to have provision of bread from you, Father, to go get the job done. We've turned the Lord's Prayer into a poem. When you understand what it means, it is a word of action. It is to go forth. It is a word that manifests the kingdom of God. So I'm excited where Jesus is because he's so excited today to pour out. He's excited to give you your daily bread, just what you need, your daily dose. He's excited to bring the kingdom into earth today that his will is manifest because you've proclaimed it. He's excited that he's going to direct your paths not towards temptation, but he's in fact going to deliver you from the evil one because you have the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I'm excited about where Jesus is. He's excited about where Jesus is. I think the church should be excited about where Jesus is. 
We've treated this thing like we have to hold on till he returns. Someday, someday I'll fly away. Oh, glory, someday I'll have a mansion in the sky. This place stinks, but I'll have a mansion someday. I can't wait to get out of here. I want to leave this place. So many lost and dying, but I don't care. I want to go to heaven. Right? Jesus is saying, come on, join the team, get in this. This is awesome. There's this parable he gives in Luke 15. He says about a lost sheep that was found by its shepherd. He says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. There's a party. There's rejoicing. Our high priest, well, see, he's he's the head of it all. So when a soul gets saved coming to him, what does he say? Party! The angels go ballistic. They go nuts. And the band hits it one more time. The confetti. Ah, party! This is worldwide. Could you imagine how many souls per second are getting saved? And come on. There's a different view of things from there. Totally different view. And our high priest is in joy. It's the atmosphere of heaven. We're in a spirit of defeat. We're in a spirit of of woe is me. But God has everything in control. I don't think we believe that. There is a joy in Jesus. Now, let's look at uh, Luke 15, just another uh, portion of verses down. It's about a lady who loses a coin and she finds it and she says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I think we just heard a story like that. What's the point that he's trying to make through repetition? There's joy, there's joy, there's joy in saving the lost. There's joy when a sinner wakes up from the deadness of his trespasses and sin and recognizes Jesus is his Savior. There's joy because the name of Christ is lifted up again. And the angels rejoice and heaven rejoice. I don't know what the four living creatures do. They're just weird. Do they rejoice? Right? Now, is there a roar of a lion and a voice of a man and a caw of an eagle and a, right? They're just, I've never seen them dance. I can't wait. Flying. Do you think angels take off and just go, you don't need those little blasting things. You've got angels that'll just take off. Who needs fireworks? You've got flames of fire in those servants of the angels. Why am I trying to push this? Because you're all just too serious. You're all out there like, oh, whatever. We do not understand reality. You think this is reality. We think this is reality. 
There is a reality above what we see. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seven seals. John the Revelator looked to see who could who was worthy to open the scroll of the seven seals, the scroll that was the the power and the authority of the covenant of all that is created. And no one was found worthy except one, the lion of the tribe of Judah who comes. And all of a sudden the angels, what joy fills the place because he's worthy, he's worthy. You think, you got to understand, holiness is joy, pure joy. Holiness is pure joy. What we've done with holiness is we've squeezed every ounce of joy out of it and made it miserable. I'm holy, hallelujah. I can't do anything. I, don't laugh. That's not holy. But in fact, holiness is pure, pure, pure joy because holiness is the nature of God. It's something so different from, from here. And so the worthy that they're crying out, the worthy I'm imagining is filled with laughter and joy. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. You were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, all people, every nations. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He is glorious. He's standing in the position of ruling and reigning everything that takes place on this planet. And he's doing it with joy. He's doing it with glory. He's doing it with majesty. Even the influence and work of the enemy and the devil and all of his corruption and what the power of sin can do, Jesus has broken all of its power and it's all being used for the purposes of his kingdom. We can't wrap our head around that because we want everything right by our understanding. But if you would begin to understand the joy of Jesus, we might be able to get through this thing with greater faith. And that's what I'm looking for, greater faith. We go back to Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. You see, there was a curtain in the temple that separated the holy place where the priests operated and the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant and the presence of God was. There was a veil, a curtain that was between there. It was the thickness of a man's palm. It was layered, and it was extremely thick. Well, on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, that veil was ripped from top to bottom. It was done. The holiness of God was now exposed to man because man, through the blood of Jesus, was made clean. And there was a new curtain hung. That new curtain was hung on the cross. It's his flesh that is the curtain. You can't come into the presence of God unless you pass through the veil. And that veil is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You can't take away the cross from Christianity. You can't take the crucifixion out of it. You can't eliminate the blood. You want to get saved? You want to come to heaven? You want to go see the Father? You want to come into eternal joy? You must go through the curtain. It's the cross. It's the cross. 
There's no other way of salvation. I don't know why we delay this in our witnessing. I don't know why we put it off in our churches. Uh, you know, we'll give you some coffee. We'll tell you to come forward. We'll ask you to join the gang. You belong. Uh, we'll deal with this or that. And we put the cross somewhere later and a few months behind. That doesn't save anybody. It doesn't save anybody. But there is a joy. There's a joy in the cross. There is a victory in the cross. Amen? Once you understand the purpose of the cross, you can joy over the cross. You can rejoice in the cross. You look to your suffering king. You see what he did on the cross. But it was because of joy that was coming because of what he accomplished. It was the way by which we get into the Holy of Holies. And he said this, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, not just any high priest, but what kind of a high priest? The great high priest. We've got the great high priest. There's no one like him. He's matchless. He understands every situation. He understands every sin you've been through. He's the remedy for every problem you have. He has the power to destroy no matter what issue you have been involved in. No matter how heinous the crime, how severe the perversion, no matter what you think is the worst you could have done, he's got the answer that will clean it, remedy it, and wash it as white as snow. He's a great high priest. He won't wait to delay till you're broken and beg enough. He won't wait to delay until you have enough faith for him to show up. He is there all the time, instantly. He's in the crack house with those who are addicted to crack but need no, they know Jesus, but they don't have enough. My high priest doesn't wait outside. He's inside. He's ministering. He's there. Those who are in affairs, those who are in illicit situations, he's there. He's saying no. He's there. He's not going to wait. He's not going to delay. Who in the world do you think is the one that is tugging on their heart, calling them to come back? If it was up to you to get cleaned up before our high priest would act, we would never have him. He's a great high priest. See, he overcame the power of sin. He doesn't shrink back because of what you've been involved with. He doesn't hesitate and go, ooh. He's there. I'm the remedy. I've got the solution. If you would understand, you need me more than you need this mess. He's a great high priest. None's better. He's the perfect high priest. None is better. Therefore, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another in love for good works. That's a faithful high priest. Don't lose confidence in your high priest. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Forget how great, how faithful this high priest is. It is with joy that he delivers you. With joy that he is your remedy. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I go back to where we started. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are all those that the high priest gathered in. <laughs> That's his success story. 
such a great cloud of witnesses. Those are all the saints that have gone before that the high priest was able to secure out of this world. They're all there. They know. They see it. They're rejoicing over their king. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. Come on. Where are you running to? You get the picture? The finish line has all the saints who have been rescued by this faithful high priest. So Come on, take off anything that's hindering you in your race and in your run to Him. He's the finish line. He's your priest. He's the author and perfecter. He went before you. You can watch His footprints. You can see them. The path is worn by many who have gone before us, following after it. I've got to run. And my high priest is keeping an eye on me. And he's smiling and he's saying, come on, Tim. Come on, Tim. Get up. Get up, and the people are cheering, saying, yes, yes, you can do it. Look who you're running to. It's Jesus. Look who you're running to. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Keep on track. Get up. Run. Run. There's a favorite thing that I do with my grandchildren, is when they see me and I see them, I bow down and I go like this and they know it means one thing run to papa run to papa and there's a look on their face that makes my face beam because they know when I, they're running that they can take this leap and I'll catch them in my arms that's our high priest he's saying come on come on he knows your struggles. Let us lay aside every weight and run looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He's seated at the right hand and the throne of God. This priesthood is eternal. He's never going to leave his position as high priest. It is an eternal priesthood. It is an eternal covenant. There's no need to offer sacrifice for sin anymore. Keep your eyes on Him. He's, he's washing you continually. Washing you. Keep your eyes on Him. He knows your weakness, but He offers mercy and grace. You can run with confidence and boldness to Him. Run with pure confidence. He will never reject you. He will never deny you. Though you are faithless, He is faithful always, always, always. What a high priest. He won't give up on you. Our high priest will not give up on you. Some of you need to hear that. He is the perfect high priest. That word perfect means complete. Everything you need is in him. His church lacks nothing. Nothing. Our high priest, bishop of our souls, oversees this church, and our church lacks nothing. We don't have a money problem. We don't have a political problem. The problem is we've taken our eyes off Jesus. He's the solution to everything. He's got all that is necessary for us to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Amen? He never fails. He always does right and accomplishes the Father's will. Nothing the enemy can do to defeat him. Romans 8.28 says that he works all things together for the good. Oh, uh, You know what? It looks like a mess, the thing he's working on. But when he just turns it over and turns a new perspective, you'll see it's a masterpiece. It is glorious and it is beautiful. 
and it is an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12, 22 to 29. I complete this message with this. You have come not to Mount Zion, that is the city of the people before you, that where Moses preached from that mountain of Sinai and the people trembled and were afraid. No, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, where there is an innumerable angels in festive gathering. I don't know if you've ever been to a party. Festal gathering, what does that sound like? Joy. There's joy. There's joy in what God's going to accomplish. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and he leaves this till the end. Let me back up again. Let me, let me back up again. You've come to Mount Zion. That's what we are. We're Mount Zion. We're, we're the new Jerusalem. We're the kingdom of God. This is the joy. Remember, this is the joy that was set before him from the cross. This is what he was waiting for. This is Mount Zion. This is the city of the living God. It is the heavenly Jerusalem. When you walk into this heavenly Jerusalem, you're going to see that there are innumerable angels everywhere in festive, festal gathering, praising and worshiping to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. That's everybody that's ever been saved through Jesus Christ. And to God, the judge over all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And last of all, to Jesus, the mediator of the the new covenant to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He has united heaven to earth and earth to heaven. It is Jesus who by his word holds all things together. He's the central figure. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the perfect high priest. He is our all in all and he is in a spirit of joy for what is taking place. It's not late. It's right on time. The reason he's waited this long is so that more people would be saved and a greater joy could be felt in heaven. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they do not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how will they escape those who he warns from heaven? And then the, the, at that time a voice shook the earth and so forth. But in verse 28, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all. For our God is a consuming fire. And Jesus is that fire. Close your eyes this morning. You are not the master of your life. You were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. There is an authority over you right now. And that authority is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is power over you right now. It is in the high priest of the Lord Jesus. There are eternal purposes that govern your body, govern your life, and they are mediated by a high priest who is ever living to intercede for you, praying for you. There is a joy and a song singing over your life right now that is sung by your high priest. You are not an orphan. You are not alone. 
for your high priest is watching over you, ministering to you. How long will you mourn the things of yesterday and the failures that sin has brought? When will you see him? When will you recognize that you can have faith for greater things? For your perfect high priest is ruling over your life. Look up, says the Lord, look up and see the face of Jesus. Run to him. Know that his good pleasure is to minister grace and mercy in your times of need. He is faithful and true. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. This morning as we sing and as we worship, I'm opening the altars up for those of you who would walk not to me and not to the front of this church, but you would walk up to your high priest this morning. You would take a step of faith and you would offer your lives into the hands of his mediation. So as we sing, I invite you to approach the throne of grace in your time of need and you will receive mercy and grace from a perfect high priest.